This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett. He does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he ties the game. Easton ducks under. Got it. All right, what's going on, everybody? Got a lot to get to in this one. Episode 322 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. I am your host, RJ Carbone. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And we also do MMA, too, on the weekends. Just started recapping some MMA. So we're going to get to UFC 271, which happened on Saturday. We're going to get to, uh, we'll talk about some Super Bowl. Super Bowl action, that was fun Sunday. And then we'll talk, of course, about the amazing, lovely, Always fun, always entertaining, never not entertaining, New York Knicks. The New York Knicks, we'll get to them um, to wrap this episode up. I might split this podcast episode um, into a few segments. Uh, It doesn't really mean anything for you, it's just me saying it out loud. Meaning I'm I'm recording this as I'm getting home 2 a.m., Sorry, 2 p.m. I'm getting home 2 p.m. in the middle of Tuesday. So I'm just starting to record. And why I might split this up and record, you know, some during the day and some at night tonight is because I live in a house full of loud people. So it's going to be difficult to not be interrupted. But we're going to try. We're going to try to fit this all in. And again, if you're listening to this, watching this, whatever, doesn't really apply to you. Um... So, yeah, a lot went down. A lot went down this past weekend. Again, as I am recording, it's Tuesday the 15th. As you are listening to this, it should be Tuesday night the 15th. I'll try to have it out tonight, if not early morning Wednesday. But, yeah, a lot went down. You know, the MMA world, the football world, and the basketball world with the Knicks, they continue to plummet. Um, I know we've missed a couple of Knicks episodes recently. Uh, There was the one, the first game of the back-to-back not long ago, and then we missed that most recent game before OKC. We missed the Portland game. But we're back. Just got, I've been busy, so. Got to talk about this most recent game. We'll get to the most recent OKC Knicks loss um, again later in the episode, but I do want to start off with, we'll go with the top of the weekend. Then we'll come up to date here. So we'll start with UFC 271. Then we might talk some Super Bowl, which I actually won some money this time around. And then we'll get to the Knicks. All right. So real first, guys, just the boring usual stuff. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to do that right now. Now you can find BD4 on many listening platforms, such as Apple Podcasts. If you want to give us a five-star rating and review on there, go ahead and subscribe, download it there. Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You can listen to us and subscribe to us on all those listening services. But you can also watch the podcast too. So if you're interested in watching the video format of your of this podcast, and maybe you are right now, maybe you're not, just go to YouTube and search BD4. BD4, we are on YouTube. We are on YouTube We've been, since episode 55 of the podcast, up to now, we've been on YouTube. So, it's been a fun ride, and, and you know, man, we're coming up. It's feel like, it's feeling like um, we're breezing through these episodes. You know, we're coming up on 350 pretty soon. By the end of the, uh, you know, I would say by the summer, we'll have 350 overall. So, that's pretty crazy to me. Um, Yeah. Subscribe, uh, follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, RJ Carbone, and I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. 
So with that said, let's get to our first couple of plugs. When we get back, we'll dive right into the episode. Again, talk some UFC 271. Super Bowl... Oh, shit. I don't even know which number it is. 50-something, right? And then we'll talk Nick's OKC. All right. So stay with us. We'll be back. And we will get right into it. So if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Hey guys. So, I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube are actually subscribed. So, if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. Never disappoints, man. UFC 271 never, ever, ever disappoints. Or, I'm sorry, any UFC pay-per-view, it feels never disappoints. Um, <clears throat> But, yeah. I mean, this one was fun. You had... I, I didn't see much of the... um. Wasn't able to catch much of the undercard. Didn't really see... Any prelims? I heard the preliminaries were really good, though. But I did see the, the you know my buddy and I. My buddy came over for I think the final three fights of the night. The Brunson Cannoneer fight was the third to last fight, right? That was a good fight. Um, make sure we're set up here. One second. All right, we're good. Yeah, uh, Brunson Cannoneer was good. You know, you had Brunson. He's kind of at the end. Right, he's 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 old. He's been in the game a while, but Blonde Brunson, you know, I don't think has had a loss, so there was that he had going for him. But he goes into it, and he's pretty heavy on the wrestling. You know, he's a wrestler, and he goes into it, and he does that exact thing. That's his game. So he tried to take it to the ground. Um, round two, Brunson even had a you know big impact strike in there. Looked like, all right, maybe he's got a shot against Jared Cannonier. He had his moments. But really, later on in the round, you could see that Cannonier's performance was just way too excellent. And you could see why this guy is getting that middleweight title shot against Izzy. Kind of feel like he's underrated in a bit, in a sense. Uh, but he gets the finish. Jared does in round two with a TKO. Um, he elbows Brunson. Gets him to the ground, and then he just throws a bunch of follow-up shots. And then, boom, there you have it. It was a good fight. It actually got performance of the night. Uh, Cannonier did. He got performance of the night. So that was nice to see. And then you got to the uh, the big fight. You know, this is one of the two fight of the nights, I believe. Or or was or was um, it was either one of the fight of the nights, or it was Taito Ivasa getting the performance of the night. That might have been it. Along with Jared. Um, but yeah, Lewis and Tuivasa. I mean, you got one guy, Derek Lewis, going into his hometown of Houston. The favorite. Uh, the fans want him to win. You know, he's favored on the on the Vegas card. This was a fun one. It was a fun war between two heavyweight fighters. Two heavyweight contenders. And um, also, this ends in a round two uh, knockout. At times, this fight, you know, looked like that Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gan fight, where Derek Lewis had attempted a few takedowns, and Ty and him were battling on the ground. Ty was throwing some punches 
on the ground to work it back into stand-up. But then at the end, man, it turned into what everybody wanted to see. It was brutal, and it was amazing. Um, both of them just trading punches, going at it. My buddy even even you know, says to me, I'm watching with my buddy in my studio, he goes, oh, Ty's done. He's going out any second now. It looked like it, too. But then, just like not even three seconds after he said that, bam, right then, Ty Tuivasa gets Derek Lewis with an elbow. That sends him right to the canvas, right to sleep, and he face plants. <laughs> now, it looked like Ty, uh, Derek Lewis was gassed again. It, it looked like he was just fatigued. Durability issues, you know, he's had issues going to, you know, he's, he's the guy, he's going to knock you out early. That's how he gets most of his wins, right? He's the knockout king. He most recently got that title against Chris Stoukas, um in December on that fight night card. So he's mentioned before too publicly. I remember in that in that same um, night in his octagon in his octagon interview, Derek Lewis was mentioned. You know, I think it was Bisping who asked him about getting a title shot someday soon, and he goes, "I don't have the durability. I can't go five rounds. I can't go. You know, I need my knockout." So you could see he didn't have that stamina and he just goes right down. Um, he slept him. He slept him. I watched it back. There's no doubt about it that he, that Tai Tuivasa got a good hit and put him to sleep. But you could see on his face, you could see he was, the way he was just moving around, Derek Lewis just looked fatigued. And that'll happen when you go to the ground and that'll happen when you, Go back to stand up and you're throwing, you're just trading strikes. Um, so yeah, Ty wins. And as for Ty, good for him, man. Good for friggin' him. He obviously did his uh, shoey bullshit. Um, hey, do you, man? He had his fun there, but the man's a beast and he's legit too. You know, this is the same dude who was on a losing streak not long ago, he was cut by the UFC. But he comes back into the promotion. And now he's in conversation to eventually get that title shot at heavyweight. You know, because when you look at it, Francis isn't fighting anytime soon. You know, not just the contract drama with Dana, but he's getting the surgery. So he'll be out. So it's Stipe. Cyril gone. Maybe throw John Jones in there somewhere. He wants to come back at heavyweight. And then you have to think Ty is jumping right up there beneath those guys. And once the rankings come out later this week, they might have already. So, yeah, I mean, he deserves it for sure. He's a fun guy to watch, and he's he's also just very, very good at what he does. He's a fighter. Then we got to the main event where this was also a good fight. It was a different fight. It was much different than the heavyweight battle. You know, this one went to decision. A lot of Izzy's fights do go to decision. But it was fun. You know, it it doesn't have to be a knockout to be fun. Doesn't have to doesn't have to be a tap out. I like decisions. I like fights that go to the distance. And, and Whitaker, I think, was a little too patient in this one. I think he was a bit too conservative. I know he wanted to take that approach, but looking back at it, I think it was a reason for his loss. Um, he was on his back foot lots in this one. And Izzy realized that. And he took away his boxing. He had control for the entire 25 minutes, I would like to say. Even in the rounds that he lost, you know. I think round one went to Izzy. Two, three, four were close. But you could make a case Iggy Izzy took at least one or two of those. And then round five did go to Rob Whitaker to make it a little interesting. He took it, but in the end, uh, I, I would say I had Izzy 3-2, uh, and as did the judges, <laughs> thankfully, because there were some other questionable decisions on the undercard. Um, I, I thought Rob Whitaker was a bit too heavy with his left hand, too, you know, and that also became kind of predictable, and Izzy recognized that, but um, I, I think Izzy won. Uh, there, I've heard a few doubters out there, but I think the folks who disagree with the scoring are, are too focused on takedowns and not the events after a takedown, right? 
Kind of like that Jan Blachowicz fight. Um, hope I said his name right. The Polish power guy. Where Izzy was on his back a lot. But in this one, Izzy scored a lot of his points by those lead kicks. A lot of calf kicks and he mixed it up. And Rob attempted a few takedowns. But it's about what happens, you know, after the takedown. During those encounters. And Israel, Israel Asanya was just either preventing those takedowns or he was getting right back to his feet if he was taken down. Whitaker just didn't have anything with the takedowns. So it'd be a different fight. It'd be a different story if the entire fight was 100% neutral and then you could look at Rob's takedowns and give him the edge and points. But Izzy had way too much going on outside that. He was way too, again, way too in control in stand-up. And Rob could never just really take advantage of Adesanya on the ground like you saw in that Polish power fight. So, yeah, that, that, that's... You gotta be careful when you're talking about takedowns because takedown itself, the point of it is so you can get control on the ground. But once he got the takedown, he didn't do anything with it a couple of times. So, Whitaker's gonna look back at it and he's probably gonna be disappointed he didn't do more. Um, but, I hey, I think at least for now, Izzy... Whitaker probably not happy. You're probably not getting that trilogy now. You know, although Dana didn't deny it in the presser, he gave more of an "I don't know," but I, I don't think I want to see that. Um, I, I don't. I you know, not for a two O series. The only exception for trilogies are you know, big names who draw big time sellouts, or like you know, Brandon Marino's fight where where it's it, they're going into a fourth fight because the first one was a draw, and the next two they split. Um, but Whitaker is in a weird spot because it's like it's like he is way better than the rest of that middleweight division. But he's also so far from Izzy. So it's like the rest of the divisions here, Whitaker's way up here, and then Izzy's way up there. So it's those two and then everybody else, but those two are even separated far. It's really it's a weird spot for Whitaker. So I have no clue. Maybe he gets Marvin Vittori next, you know? He's in a weird spot. But I think Cannoneer is the clear answer for Israel Adesanya. And, you know, this one will most likely get by. Um, I think Izzy was saying he wants to come back in June. So that's most likely. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, Iggy, I Iggy, I keep calling him Iggy. Izzy needs some fresh blood. I, I think it's good because he's ran through everybody else, right? He had Vittori twice. Got that done. Uh, Brunson, he's had... You know, he had Kelvin Gasolum to take that title. Defended it against Paulo Costa and Ramiro. Um, Rob Whitaker twice now. You know, and Silva, he beat Silva, the greatest middleweight of all time. You know, and uh, Izzy's getting close to that title too, man. Don't give him the edge yet, but I, I would say he's getting close. Um, he's on that run that Silva was on before he had the injury. Izzy's on that run right now. I mean, it's... This guy's one of the best strikers. He's got amazing cardio. He can do it all. He's a great kickboxer. Props to him. Um, but yeah, I was also talking to my buddy. Maybe down the line. Long term more for Izzy that we'll see the... Um, maybe he goes to welterweight and fights Kamaru. I don't know. I don't know if that's happening. They're buddies. Maybe he gets a Hamza Shemaev. You know, because he was talking shit on Twitter after the fight, just being ridiculously disrespectful to the champion. So maybe he, I don't know, I, I think there's more of a chance that he goes back up to light heavyweight and tries to take it serious and stays there for a bit. I don't know if he gets bored, because if he beats Cannoneer, what the heck's he going to do next? You know, it, it's worth a shot, but who knows? For now, Izzy did his thing. Uh, again, he says he's aiming for June to make that comeback, and... um it's most likely going to be him and Jared Cannonier. And, uh, yeah, I, I I like that him and uh, Rob also showed some respect after the fight and they uh, buried the hatchet, I guess you could say. So that was good to see. So, yeah, good fight night. Oh, I'm sorry, fight night. Good pay-per-view event. UFC 271 in the books. It was fun. We all enjoyed it. And uh, you know what's coming next. You know what's coming. We got the Covington-Masvidal fight. In March. Oh my gosh. There's already been a lot of trash talk. 
subtle. Not I was gonna say subtle shots. These shots aren't even subtle when you're talking Kobe and Jorge. I mean, I can only imagine imagine what the press conference is gonna be like, man. And that fight, I just hope the fight is is, is entertaining. <laughs> and I expect it to be. You know, I know Covington is probably the favorite here, but you never know, man. It's going to be fun. So, I enjoyed it. I'm loving this sport. Um, got a fight night this upcoming Saturday. It's uh, Hill against Walker. I think we have a couple more fight nights in there, and then we'll get to the uh, 272 card. So, that's fun. Well, let's head to break. When we get back from break, I guess we'll talk some Super Bowl. And I don't really have any notes for that, but we'll talk about it. Stay with us. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. You know, literally as we went to break there, I saw on, on social media, I was just scrolling that Tai Tuivasa finally got Dana to do the shoey. <laughs> He's been on his ass for that, uh, about that since the press conference uh, pre-fight. Uh, the Super Bowl is cool, man. I enjoyed the Super Bowl. I, it was a great game, obviously. I wanted Cincinnati to win because I'm a big Joe Burrow fan. Uh, I've liked the, the kids since LSU. And they had a chance. Looked like they had the edge most of the first half. But that fourth quarter, late in the game, man, L.A. Rams defense in particular, in single coverage, Mr. Eli Apple, former, I'm ashamed because he's a former Ohio State player and a former New York Giant, so that really hurts, um, gets burnt. He was getting just completely burnt, cooked by Cooper Cup. And they just kept going to Cooper Cup despite... You know, I think there were some double coverages in there, but for most, mostly it was just Eli Apple getting torched. And that was what won them the game. They got that big drive. And then, obviously, Aaron Donald making that huge play to uh, what a deflected pass that Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow threw under pressure. And that was really it from there. And they just ran out the clock. I won. Let's see. I won. I lost the coin toss. I put a few down for for Tails. Tails loses. I guess you could say Tails always fails. Um, I won some some in-game parlays. Some actual, not prop bets, but real bets on on the game. I had the over. I I did miss the over. But I had um, Bengals spread, which covered plus four. I had a a bunch of other stuff in there. I had six bets in total on the day. But, um, oof, <laughs> because I, my big one, my biggest one was like a plus 800 odds. And I hit all but one. I missed the over by like four points. So that one hurt. But I did win you know, enough to, to be satisfied with, I guess. Uh, I won some in-game parlays. And then I won the Gatorade color at the end. I told everybody it was going to be blue. Nobody believed me. Everybody laughed at me. And I was super thrilled when it ended up being blue. So, screw off to every one of you who doubted me um, on getting blue. It's always blue. And I had some inside info tell me that it was going to be blue. So, I went blue. But it was a good Super Bowl. It was a cool halftime show. You know, if you're a 90s, 80s, 90s baby, you love that. That was pretty neat. Um, It's funny because we had a bunch of people over for the game and... Um, it was me and my buddy and, and my cousins and stuff outside in the garage watching 
And then uh, you know, we had like all the boomers. We had three different rooms. We had the living room, where's where the boomers were. Um, and then my siblings and cousins are in the TV room. And then outside, there was more of us in the garage. The boomers, the boomers were in the living room, and, and we were all just out in the garage thinking during the halftime show with Eminem, Snoop, Dre, and 50 Cent, what the hell could be going through their mind? They're probably going nuts right now and, you know, just throwing their fists in the air. Um, but, I mean, it was a classic. You know, it, this wasn't like some new age bullshit rap hip-hop. This was actually good classic uh, shit that we grew up with, man. And I don't really listen to music anymore. You know, I, ne- I was never big on it, but I did back in the day growing up. Me and my cousin used to be big with all those guys. Snoop, Eminem, 50 Cent, and Dre, and all of them. So I, I thought it was a cool halftime show, man. But um, obviously the game itself was, was even greater. It was a close game, and um, the favorite team did win. Congrats to the Rams. Stafford deserves it. Odell Beckham Deserves it. It sucked to see him go down with the injury like that, but he's all right. So, uh, yeah, that that's those are my thoughts on the Super Bowl. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great, but I do want to wrap this episode up with the Knicks. We have a lot to discuss when it comes to the New York Knicks because it's, yeah. I mean, what else is there to say with this team? Let's let's get to it. We'll be right back. Stay with us. All right, folks. Now, if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review, if you so please. So once again, this is if you are listening to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first... I also want to let you know, I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com, titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. All right, we may actually be able to get this one in sooner than I think. Um, we're breezing through this, I feel like. But I don't know, because we do have some things to discuss about this fucking team. Um, the Knicks go ahead and, and lose again to the OKC Thunder, 127-103 to in overtime, um, making it two meltdowns in a row. Yeah, two meltdowns in a row, two different kinds. But I honestly don't know which one feels worse. You know, having a 23-point lead against Portland the other night without Lillard, without anybody, you know, really. Um, up 15 points entering the fourth quarter. Was that bad? Was that worse? Or was losing an overtime game to another terrible tanking team, you know, an undersized, inexperienced 17-win OKC team? without two of their best starters. Any way you want to put it, it was awful. Um, You know, on the stat sheets, real quick, the Knicks go 42% from the field, 30% from three. OKC goes 50% from the field, 38% from three. So the Knicks were 8% worse in each of those uh, categories. Knicks score 50 points in the paint. The Thunder, 64 points in the paint. Minus 14 points, that means. Um, and Mitch had an excellent game. But OKC had him switching onto guards all night on the perimeter. So he did a lot of rotating. And whether he, you know, whenever he left the floor, it was 
very noticeable, as usual. You know, we don't have that backup big depth, especially on a night like last night. Um, And I'm starting to get scared about this whole contract thing with Mitch. It's a situation for sure. You know, teams are looking at him. You're hearing these articles about Chicago, Detroit, looking at him because he's an unrestricted free agent by the end of the year. You already know his his camp is going to push for every penny, too. You know, and I'm starting to think the minimum $55 million is not going to be enough. But uh, we'll get to that another day. Um, And also, you know, they got hurt in the paint because if you watch Randall's efforts defensively in parts of this game, he was just giving, giving up way too many easy pathways to the lane. He practically allowed OKC to walk to the rim at times watching him. I'm not hating. Rewind and watch yourself. Um, the only thing you could say the Knicks dominated in was rebounding. But again, that's very much expected with how undersized OKC is. The Knicks also did a nice job pushing the pace, at least in the first half. First half pace was 105 for this game. Second half, I think it slowed all the way down to 92, I want to say. So, nice to see that. Burks, you know, plays so slow. So it did slow down once he played some more point guard in the second half. So I guess it's a good thing that the Knicks continue to up the tempo more than they usually do. You know, getting into their offensive sets a lot quicker. Um, The last nine games, the Knicks are sixth in pace. And that has a big reason... um, that's a big reason why they're also 13th in points per game in the last nine games. So, which I'm saying that as a good thing because, you know, it's even worse overall. Your standout stat lines of the night individually Randall, a triple double, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. Did take 26 shots and had seven turnovers, and we're going to get to his clutch play in a second. Robinson, another phenomenal game all around. 14 points, 17 rebounds, 4 steals, 4 blocks. Kid works extremely hard, man. He's been outstanding. Averaging a double-double in his last 25 games. Last night he worked his ass off. Blocking shots. Switching onto the perimeter and guarding Giddy in space. Rotating. Great game for Mitch. Quinton Grimes is hot. 19 more points after, I think, 20 in Portland. This game was at the Garden. Um, 19 points, 7 boards, 5 more triples, a steal, 2 blocks in 40 minutes. He had that big, clutch, fast-break layup at the end of regulation to get them to OT. And Fournier was a big reason for that. 29 more points, 6 more threes, 56% from the field, but he had some big defense down the stretch. That steal he had led to that Grimes transition bucket. He had a big block on Josh Giddy, Fournier. Also knocked down some big shots late. The three free throw attempts, he hit all of them. And he also hit the big three-pointer in overtime. But um, the bench was pretty quiet. But when you literally do not play the bench, and we'll get to this too, it's bound to happen. Because you got to look at this, the, the minutes distribution. <laughs> Gosh. OKC, Terrence Mann goes for 30 points. Josh Giddy, 28 point triple double. Baisley, 30, uh, 23 points. I don't know what Tibbs was thinking early on by putting Evan onto Josh Giddy. Before he adjusted and switched Grimes onto him. But that hurt us early on. You know, Giddy was 7 for 9 for 16 points in the first half. And then he was 4 for 13 the rest of the way through. A lot of that had to do with Grimes having that assignment. He's a hounder, man. Um, Also, before we dive in, just know that we're probably going to be talking some, you know, some draft prospects pretty soon. Very, uh, again, very soon. You remember, I don't know if you remember from two years ago, we did that, uh, you know, for some of our episodes in the spring and summer, we, we went over a bunch of the draft prospects and the way the season's headed, just a heads up, we're probably going to be bringing that back pretty soon. 
We might be into some March Madness, and, and yeah, we'll see. So stay tuned for those episodes. We're going to be diving into some of those prospects um, at this point. <laughs> Shit. But, yeah, the, the one thing that we continue to see, this team's sheer ineptitude late in games is something I've never seen before. From Thibodeau to Julius Randle to Quickly and his vanishing act. It's not even humiliating anymore, but instead it makes you want to take this Knicks team to a psychologist and have that guy figure it out. Because are they actually insane? Like, like whatever the official term for mental instability is, insanity, making the same mistake over and over again, right? How could one group of human beings continue to commit the same mistakes over and over and over again? It's, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I hate to bring him up again in vain because he had another very strong game. Make it six straight now. But again, we continue to see time and time again why it's a big mistake having Randall be our number one guy. The man does not have that clutch gene. He just does not have it. And he never, ever, ever, ever will. A number of possessions late in the game where he completely gives away the ball. Uh, The Knicks are up four points with three and a half minutes to play in the fourth quarter. Randall drives into traffic, throws up a, a BS jump pass again from the triple threat, and he turns it over. Knicks are up four points with under two minutes to go in the fourth. Randall hop steps into the paint, picks up his dribble, the double comes, and he loses it out of bounds. Knicks are up two points with under one minute to go in the fourth. Randall takes a pull-up jumper he misses from the free throw line. Knicks tied in the final seconds of regulation. Randall, getting a chance to redeem himself at the buzzer, goes the length of the floor, takes it up. But God literally will not let this man be clutch. And he clanks it off the front of the rim. He went to his move, his go-to move, that step back mid, but literally in his DNA to not be clutch, to not make clutch baskets. And, and that's just God intervening, man. That's all it is. He's not a clutch player. He was not made to be clutch. Overtime comes. We're not done yet. He misses his first catch-and-shoot attempt. Whatever. It was a good take. But then he gets the loose ball foul on the other end. Then he gets the moving screen turnover for his fifth foul in a crucial moment. Then, with 30 seconds to go, the Knicks are down four points. He tries that bullshit spinning jump pass again in traffic. And this time, it doesn't just go out of bounds. It goes about six rows up for his seventh turnover of the basketball game. Later, he makes a pointless bullshit basket when it's already over, and then he fouls out. But it was just awful for him, man. I mean, a nightmare ending to what could have been an absolutely great game for Randall. Labeled it another great game. But instead, those stats end up meaning completely zero. Absolutely zero. Because at the end of the day, you're paying him this money to win games for you late. And he continues to falter time after time late in the game. In 14 minutes of fourth quarter and overtime play, Randall last night, one for five, four points, Four turnovers, four fouls. In clutch play this season, and again, clutch play is considered the last five minutes of a five-point game. He's 35% from the field and 15% on threes. They missed RJ last night, man, because RJ is 60% from the field and 57% in the clutch on his threes. It's gotten to a point where RJ could be taken, you know, he could be 3 for 20 and Randall could be 19 of 20. I still want RJ taking that shot because I know, like I said, I know how much God intervenes. Randall is not made to be clutch. I saw a tweet. The Knicks as a team, minus 15.4 per 100 possessions in clutch play this year. 
That's just straight up egregious. And and you know it. it I hate to do it to this guy too because I've been on him a lot this year. But Tibbs doesn't seem like he's the answer. I think he's even lost out there. Now the quickly play, you know, the, the quickly play design at the end, at the end of overtime, I actually didn't hate that. I will say that I know I know that you know IQ has been dreadful. He was 0 for six heading into that shot, but it was an improvement in Thibodeau's ATO offense. Other than your usual, we have no fucking clue what we're doing. Action. You have quickly. He cuts from the weak side, dunker spot, over to ball the ball side left left hand corner. Obi sets a down screen to fend off Wiggins. Clears up quick in the left corner. Burks throws the inbound to quick, and he just misfires. So it was a good it was a good design. He drew up a good play, but quickly just can't hit shots. But my issue with Thibodeau here is just we shouldn't have been in that situation. Because once again, we see in the second half, especially late fourth quarter overtime, again, we go away from what was working. We slow down the pace. We start dribbling side to side again. The body movement stops. The ball movement stops. It's terrible. And that's on coaching. That's on coaching. He's a man without a plan right now. I mean, this this guy lost count of his timeouts and his challenges right after using a challenge. My guy, you get one challenge. One. And because of this boneheaded mistake... Tibbs left the Knicks in a terrible position in the final minute where they couldn't advance the ball or draw up any half-court action. That, to me, is miscommunication with your assistants. How are you that unprepared at this point At this point in the game? It, but again, why are we even talking about this? This is the thunder. 4-17 and 17 heading into this game in their last whatever games. What are we doing with the rotation? Are we are we trolling at this point? Because like I said, go back and look at the minutes distribution last night and tell me he's not trolling. I dare you. Four of the five starters had over 40 minutes. Four of the five. And you look at the bench, you had Cam Reddish, Obi Toppin, eight minutes each. Two guys with size and athleticism. And reminder, Mitch is playing 40 minutes last night on a bad ankle. You've got Cam and Obi sitting on the bench. Sims picking up another DNPCD. Deuce McBride as well. In a game where you're playing the youngest team in basketball, who are going super small. Julius is clearly gassed again at the end. And again, we just went over that. And yet, you still can't give minutes to your younger athletic wings. How is that possible? It just makes you think, what is the goal here? You don't want to tank. Okay, so are you trying to win? Because these kids, they might just give you a chance if you just give them a shot. I mean, you needed a defender with size last night who could get into the lane, put the ball on the floor a little bit, and we still sit Cam. A first rounder, folks, a first rounder. It's getting worse by the day, too, because you've got now quickly 28% in his last 18 games. Cam still can't find legitimate minutes. You've got, on top of that, Alec Burks, 33% in his last 23 games. Kemba being Kemba. RJ going down with the ankle injury. We still can't find room for Cam. There's obviously a clear disconnect between the front office and Coach Tibbs. I mean, there's literally a report saying he did not want Cam Reddish. OKC literally ran literally ran the game through their rookies and their prospects and and they still won. They're they're a tanking team who tried their best to do exactly that and lose this game. But the Knicks still couldn't take it. Their fans, their organization is probably super PO'd they lost that game or they won that game. And we're sitting here still force feeding these veterans, giving them heavy minutes. Despite the same results at the end of games every time. So the trade deadline has passed. It's over with. We did nothing to free up rotation minutes. Nothing. Instead, 
you know, with the injuries, Derrick Rose, now RJ, we're giving these veterans, these veterans, an even more bigger leash. We're giving them an uptick for what? For off-season value? Is that going to be the narrative now? Please, you can't showcase a vet too. That's where I think that thing is overrated as hell. The league knows who veterans are. You can only showcase a younger player who still has upside and ceiling to reach. You're not showcasing a vet. And, and do we need a point guard or what? Because I'm so tired of looking up, even in games where we think we move the ball well, and seeing our assist average be you know average at best. Like last night, we had five periods of basketball to play. 40, uh, 53 minutes, right? Of basketball last night. And we're barely over the league average of 24 dimes. We had 28. I want to be one of those teams who are constantly moving the rock, man. Constantly. And this is not having a point guard and also not having an offensive playbook. Right? An offensive playbook that's extreme, extremely generic and ISO-heavy with Julius. I wish we could see a little more, you know, blocker mover set. Uh, I wish we could see more of a wide set offense where you get your playmaker taking it up on the right wing, um, your screener in the middle, and then on the left wing you got your cutter. Something, right? But the worst part is there's mediocre garbage out there in, free, in the offseason, I'm pretty sure. I'm not a Brunson fan. Um, so I don't know how they're going to solve this point guard thing. I don't know. I can't tell you I do. Um Maybe in the draft, but again, I've heard this draft too is also very top-heavy. And again, I'm going, I'm going to be heavy on this March Madness shit, just so I can learn a bit more. <laughs> but for now, I mean, what are we going to do? You've got Kemba, who's a fraction of his former self. His defense, I mean, he doesn't have enough offense to mitigate his poor perimeter defense at this point, right? I mean, you could see offenses are constantly attacking him with screens, and he has no idea. Burks is out here playing point guard as a slower veteran off-guard wing. And if he's not getting into the lane drawing whistles, he's missing shots out of rhythm of the offense. I actually saw a stat... And I looked it up to make sure on NBA.com. He's he's Burks is actually a less percentage on his layups and dunks, thirty eight percent, thirty eight out of a hundred, than three pointers this season, thirty nine percent. And then you've got Emmanuel quickly misfiring everything these days, making poor decisions, and Julius just being completely reckless out there as a primary playmaker. Now he pushes the pace lately, and he's been running—you know—he's been running that DHL pretty nicely this year. But he's not the guy you want taking it up as the primary lead handler. So I say, why not give Deuce McBride a shot? Why not? And if you don't want Deuce yet, screw it. Try Cam at point. I don't care. I don't care, but this is what bothers me. We hear all these excuses about this player, so-and-so, not being ready, and his G League success won't translate right away, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, those exact outcomes you're scared of, not doing well, are happening right now with this current point guard situation. This current point guard rotation is giving you problems. So what are we actually trying to say here? Why can't we try to switch it up? They're literally... This current rotation is literally losing us games on the daily to shit, shit, shit teams. Because we have to sit through Kemba, Burks, Julius, constantly run roles that they're not very inept in. Try something different. Shake it up. This would benefit Julius so much more if we had a point guard. Have somebody who's able to create shots for him or dump it down to him in the pinch post in those ISO actions when he switched on to a mismatch. <sighs> and what have we really seen? What have we really truly seen from Deuce McBride to be so hell-bent on the fact that he isn't ready? Again, I'm, I'm not saying he is ready, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse to not play the kid. I'm not saying he's going to come in here and start dropping gems like he's been doing in Westchester, but we've barely seen the kid play. He's played in 21 of the 57 games. 
And in 16 of those 21 games, he's played less than five minutes. So what are we actually saying? This is why I get so annoyed when 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 Knicks fans overhype one win. Like we won against Golden State the other night. And the tone was completely different. It was overly positive and, and, and to an unrealistic standpoint. It's like Julius is amazing. You guys are all wrong. We still have a shot. This and that. It's like, where have you been? You know, we're 25 and 32. We're the 12th seed. If the league wasn't so kind to to make 20 out of the 30 teams allowed into postseason play, this team would be laughed at even more. There are barely 20-something games left. We aren't making that play in. We're in this position because of Randall to begin with. So, you know, if you're paying Randall for an entire season to put up the numbers that he's only been putting up in the last six games, that's a problem. So I say it's time to play the damn kids. All right? It's time. There's there's no logical reason for any of this shit no more. I'm going to cut this episode off here because I see that it's starting to get choppy. Um... Yeah, man, that's it. <laughs> let's let's finish this off with the NYY NYK question of the day to wrap it up. I, I, you know, I don't know. It's time. So for episode three twenty two. True or false, Israel Adesanya's first title win came against Robert Whitaker in their first fight against each other. Is that true or false? I'll say it one more time. Episode 322, our NYYNYK MMA question of the day. True or false, Israel Adesanya's first title win came against Robert Whitaker in their first fight against each other. True or false? So let me know the answer. Facebook, Instagram, you know, you know all that stuff. I'm done, guys. Done. I'll see you in the next one. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm.